You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy game day. The Timberwolves take on the Grizzlies tonight for the first game in, what, nine days or so. Uh, it, it's going to be fantastic. We're going to preview Wolves-Grizzlies here at the end of the show today, but plenty to get to first, second half predictions. My final prediction as to where what the Timberwolves' final record will be, as well as where they'll finish in the Western Conference standings, that's all upcoming on the show here today. So it's a, it's a packed show. We get you back to Timberwolves action tonight, and of course, the post-game pod later this evening following Wolves-Grizzlies. Um, so uh, exciting to get back to actual Timberwolves back. Basketball, as fun as the All-Star break was, and it was a lot of fun, it's time for actual Timberwolves games to talk about. We're going to get to all that here today. Thank you, first of all, though, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. A reminder that the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter, at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T, and also at BBeacon, with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-T. All right, so coming out of the All-Star break, I want to spend today's show talking about predictions for the second half of the season. I have three. Uh, I don't know how bold they really are, but I'm just going to give you three predictions that I'm pretty certain are going to come true here in the second half of the season for the Timberwolves. The unofficial second half, of course, the schedule is actually 70% of the way over. There's only 23 regular season games left for the Timberwolves. But I want to give my predictions, three predictions, where I think they'll finish record-wise as well as in the standings. We'll get to Wolves-Grizzlies here at the end of the show as well. So that's all upcoming uh, let's start with the rest of the season thing. Um, so I talked on, I guess it was Tuesday show, about what how I thought the Wolves would finish February. Remember back at the beginning of the month, I said that they'd finish. What was it like nine and uh, nine and six? I think it was for the month. Um, and, and as long as they go at least one and two over the last three games, that's gonna that's gonna happen. Um, and I think that's the case. Now you look at the rest of the schedule this season for the Timberwolves. And just based on the schedule, it's fairly, fairly feasible for the Timberwolves to to finish, um, to have a well above five, well, maybe not well above 500, to have a above 500 post-All-Star break record, right? The schedule isn't all that intimidating moving forward. They've got the three consecutive back-to-back sets here following the All-Star break. So they've got back-to-back Thursday, Friday, they get two days off, then they get another back-to-back, they get two more days off, then they get another back-to-back. So insanely enough, the first six games all come as part of back-to-backs for the Wolves. And then they only have one more back-to-back the rest of the season. So after they get through Memphis, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Golden State, Oklahoma City, Portland, the first two are, of course, almost impossible back-to-backs. And for the Wolves to go two and two over those four games would be great. And then you get Oklahoma City and Portland an away and a home, which is very winnable. Uh, but after that, you get Portland again, you get Oklahoma City again, you get Orlando. They've still got the Spurs on the schedule. They've still got uh, the... Uh, I guess, I mean, they've got Houston on the schedule. They've got Washington who's struggling, the Spurs again. Uh, so it really, half the games are against teams that the Wolves will definitely be favored against. And the rest of them, you know, are, are certainly winnable. I mean, the Wolves have already beaten the Bucks once. They get the Bucks again. Um, they've already played the Lakers very well. They've beaten them two out of three times. They get them again. They get, uh, uh, I mentioned Toronto. That's a winnable game. 
the Bulls, I think, in the last game of the year, I mean, that's certainly going to be a challenge, but perhaps the Wolves have more to play for at that point than the Bulls. I, I just think this, this, the second part of the schedule sets up nicely for the Timberwolves. Coming out of the All-Star break, the Wolves are three games above 500. The rest of the way, I mean, what do I have? The, re- the rest of the way here, I've got the Wolves going. You include the rest of February and then uh, all of March and the first part of April. I've got the Wolves going roughly 13-10 and 10 in the second half of the season total, the rest of the way. So 23 games left. I think they'll go right around 13-10. and 10. That puts their final record at 44-38. and 38. So I'm predicting the Wolves win 44 games before the season. You might remember that their over-under was set at, I think it was 36.5 or 37.5 at, at betonline.net. I, I took the hard over on that. I thought for sure they would be over. I thought they'd win 42, 43 games. I thought their ceiling was probably 44 or 45 games. They're going to be right in that range. Um, and I need to go back and pull exactly, maybe I'll even run a clip from that episode just, just to prove, you go back and listen to it back in, in mid-October. I said the Wolves would be right around or just above the 500 mark. And sitting here today, post-All-Star break, I'm predicting that they win 44 games. So 44 and 38 would, of course, be, uh, I, I mean, I guess at that point, what, three games above 500. Uh, but right in line with what I said, maybe a game or two better than where I predicted they would be at the start of the season. Now, where does that put them in the in the grand scheme of things in the Western Conference? I want to get to that next, where I think they'll fit, they'll finish in terms of their seeding in the Western Conference, uh, because I, that has a lot to do with where I think the uh, the teams right ahead of them are going to finish. The Dallas Mavericks at, currently at five, the Denver Nuggets at six. If you listen to the Roundtable podcast, and hopefully you did, that was Wednesday's episode of Lockdown Wolves. I, I spoke with the the we did a roundtable, the hosts of Lockdown Mavericks, Lockdown Clippers, Lockdown Lakers, and Lockdown Nuggets. And uh, I actually came around to Matt Moore from Lockdown Nuggets. Uh, I came around to his line of thinking about what's going to happen in the Western Conference. So I want to talk about that here next, as well as two other takeaways, two other key, or I guess predictions, really, for the second unofficial second half of the season for the Timberwolves. So we're going to do that here next. First of all, though, let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach might land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Thank you again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. For the only, or excuse me, for your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right. So three takeaways for the second half of the Timberwolves season. Again, the unofficial second half, only 23 games to play. But I'll give you three takeaways, or, or I guess more accurately, three predictions for the second half of the season. Number one, Carlton Towns will make the all-NBA team, probably the third team. I think he's got an outside shot at the second team. Uh, I, I, I think, so he's only made all-NBA once, and that was the Jimmy Butler season way back in the 2017-18 year. He, did, he was an all-star the following year, but did not make all-NBA. I, I do think he cracks the all-NBA team this year. Um, and I, I just think 
first of all, as fair or unfair, the, the team's success thing is going to be a big piece of it, right? If the Wolves are a playoff team or, or in, you know, even get the chance to maybe get out of the play-in uh, conversation in the West and get up to the sixth seed, for instance, I do think Carl Anthony Towns is named All-NBA. Um, the numbers, even though it's not quite 2010, uh, it's close and it may end that way. He's what, 24.4 points, 9.7 rebounds per game. But overall, the shooting numbers are up from last year. They're actually, his his overall shooting numbers like across the board are as high as they've been since his first All-Star year, which was also his All-NBA season. His effective field goal percentage is uh, just a hair under 59%. That All-NBA season, he was 59.6% in terms of effective field goal percentage. I think he gets back to there by the end of the season. I think he continues to be more efficient if the Timberwolves continue to win. Everybody across the board pretty much thinks that Towns has improved defensively. I don't think there's any question about that. He's committed himself defensively. If he leads this team as the lone All-Star on the team, especially if he leads them out of the play-in, I think he makes All-NBA. Um, I think that he will be recognized for his work defensively, even if the the raw you know per-game rebound numbers are down slightly. I think the voters will be detailed and nuanced enough to understand that all around, Towns has improved this season. And uh, we're going to continue to see that. As long as what we've seen basically since January 1st, if that continues for Towns over the final six weeks or so of the season, then I, I don't see how he doesn't end up making an All-NBA team, likely All-NBA third team. Uh, but, I, I mean, he will get rewarded for that. I, I, I truly believe that. My second prediction for the second half of the season, I do think the Timberwolves will finish with a top 10 offense and a top 15 defense league-wide. Now, where do they sit currently, you ask? I'll use the basketball reference numbers. I know NBA.com is slightly different. I think they've. I think NBA.com has the Wolves at ninth in offensive efficiency. Basketball reference has them at 10th. Defensive rating, I believe that that NBA's gut.com has them 15 or 16. Basketball reference has the Wolves at 17th in defensive rating. I think the Wolves will get up into the top 15 in defensive rating and stay in the top 10 in terms of offensive rating. I think that the defense is maybe not quite as good as we saw earlier in the season, but it's better than what we've seen the last three or four weeks. I think the offense is certainly better than it was at the start of the season and uh, is probably about as good as we've seen in the last three or four weeks. I, I said this before the season. I thought the Wolves had a shot at being a top five offense this year. I don't know at this point, 70% of the way through the games on the schedule, that that's necessarily going to happen unless they just are insanely hot the rest of the way. But I think it will be a top 10 offense. It's currently 10th in terms of offensive rating. I think it stays in the top 10. Likely it's probably 7, 8, 9, something like that. But Carl Anthony Towns in Chris Finch's offense, which is very versatile and adaptable, plus D'Angelo Russell, who's shooting uh, not quite career lows in terms of shooting percentages, but as bad as he shot in four years, that's going to come up a little bit. Anthony Edwards, hopefully getting some rest over the All-Star break, getting a little bit more healthy um, and continue to improve overall, continue to improve his outside shot. I think all those things work together. The cohesiveness of this unit that's now been together for the last basically year, I think that adds up to this Timberwolves team being a top 10 offensive unit. I think the defense stabilizes a little bit with some some rest here over the All-Star break, hopefully some increased health, uh, maybe a refocus on the defensive end of the floor. And and I think that that gets the Timberwolves to a, a top 15 defense. I think that the on some level the the turnover rate that continues to be the league's best opponent best uh, turnover rate in terms of forcing opponents to commit turnovers. I think that that on some level is sustainable. It may not finish the year at number one, 
Um, but it's also going to lead to those games, those one-offs that, you know, you just simply can't turn the other team over and the half court defense isn't good enough. And it's going to make the Wolves ultimately kind of a middle of the pack, uh, you know, maybe a little bit better than that defense. Maybe they're 14th, maybe they're 13th with the season's all said and done. But I do think it's a top 15 defense and a top 10 offense when we write the story of the season. Um, and of course, that's going to lend itself to a pretty solid record. And I said earlier, I thought the Wolves would finish with 44 wins this season, 44 and 38 uh, as their overall win record, win loss record. And where does that put them in the West? Well, uh, Matt Moore of Lockdown Nuggets made the case on our roundtable discussion on Wednesday. He thought the Timberwolves would be the sixth seed in the West. But he wasn't saying that his Nuggets, the team he covers, was going to drop to number seven. He was suggesting that the Dallas Mavericks plummet from number currently number five in the Western Conference down to number seven in the Western Conference. That would be currently Dallas is, is in fifth. They're one and a half games ahead of Denver and four full games ahead of the Timberwolves, who are in seventh. So that would mean they fall at least four games out of the top six in the Western Conference. And the Timberwolves would jump up into six. Denver would slide up into five. I, initially, I thought that was kind of crazy because in my mind, and I said this on the show on, on Wednesday on the roundtable, it all kind of hinges on how Jamal Murray reacclimates, assuming he's back in the next three to four weeks, eh, two to three weeks. If you believe, if uh, if you listen to what Matt at uh, Locked On Nuggets said, if, if Jamal Murray's back in the next two to three weeks and he acclimates himself well to the team, the the rotation gets figured out. Maybe the Nuggets bench improves a little with some reshuffling of the lineup and the rotation. Then, then you know, if that doesn't work out, then Denver very easily could fall back two games behind the Timberwolves. The Wolves are 2-1 and one against Denver this year. They've got one more game. The Wolves could still get the tiebreaker against the Nuggets, believe it or not. And that would certainly impact that. But the more I thought about it, I, I tend to agree with what Matt said about, about the Mavericks. I mean, the Mavericks, of course, trading away Kristaps Porzingis, trying to reintegrate two new players to the lineup one in Davis Bertans, who's a shooter who hasn't really shot the ball well this year, and Spencer Dinwiddie, who's had his own issues as well. Can Dallas integrate those guys into the rotation, losing Porzingis, who's a really important part to their defense? And Dallas's defense has been surprisingly good this season anyway. Um, they're probably due for some regression. They've been one of the league's better defenses, and they weren't very good the last couple of years defensively. So why all of a sudden are they so good? Do we really need to give Jason Kidd that much credit? We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday as well. But the more I thought about it, the more I think it's likely that Dallas slides back a couple of spots. Denver kind of stays the same, maybe improves a little once Jamal Murray gets up to speed and the Wolves continue their process of improving overall as a team. And I think they can make up a little bit of that gap there. Uh, and the question is, can the Wolves, you know, what did I say they'd go the rest of the way? 13 and uh, 13 and 10 the rest of the way. Will Dallas lose enough games to make 13 and 10 enough of a mark to get the Wolves into the top six? I tend to think yes. I think Dallas is going to scuffle a little bit in the second half of the season. I think that Denver finishes fifth. I think Utah probably hangs on to the four spot. Denver's got a shot at getting up to four. Utah's got obviously their own problems. But say Utah holds on to four, Denver goes up to five, the Wolves get up to six, Dallas slides down into seven. And then, of course, the Wolves in the sixth spot would then be facing whoever's third. And at this point, it's pretty likely that's the Memphis Grizzlies, who are a game and a half behind Golden State for the two spot and four games ahead of Utah for four. So it's either going to be Golden State or Memphis, more likely than not. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be too psyched about facing Memphis in the first round. I think that they're going to have feel like they have a lot to prove and, and come out gangbusters in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but um, at any rate... That's that's a conversation for another day. We have plenty of time to talk about the potential playoff matchups for the Timberwolves. 
But in my mind, I think the Wolves get up to six. I think Dallas slides to seven and Denver gets up to five. And the Wolves win 44 games. And again, uh, you know, a, a decade and a half ago uh, in 2005, 44 games was a game out of the playoffs. This year, that could very easily be the six seed in the Western Conference and not be too far out of the five seed in the Western Conference. So that's kind of my my overall prediction for the rest of the season. So 13 and 10 the rest of the way. I think they win 44 games. I think the Wolves finish sixth. I'm going to put Denver at five and Dallas at seven in the West. I think everybody else kind of holds their spots. Uh, you know, Portland may fall out at 10 in favor of the Spurs. I wouldn't be shocked if the Spurs grabbed the 10 seed over Portland. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, but that's my prediction for the rest of the way. Not far off from what I said before the season. Remember, before the season, I said 42, 43, ceiling of 44 to 45 wins for the Wolves. And I thought that they likely would be a seven or eight seed, best case scenario, six. It's kind of where we're sitting right now. Uh, maybe if I'm if I'm a game optimistic, two games optimistic from here to the rest of the way, we're going to finish right where I thought we would, uh, right where I thought the Wolves would uh, in the in the preseason prediction show. I thought the Wolves would finish where where they very likely could end up. Um, so looking back on that, I feel pretty good about that prediction. Uh, obviously, hoping for relative health the rest of the way, uh, but but it's certainly attainable for the Wolves to get up to number six. All right, let's finish today's show by looking at the matchup against the Memphis Grizzlies on Thursday night. We haven't seen the Grizzlies in a little while, uh, but this will be the fourth and final time that the Timberwolves and Grizzlies face off this season. So I want to do that here next. First, though, before we get to it, let's talk about our friends over at rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil to even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solutions your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, let's close the show by talking uh, by talking about Wolves Grizzlies. It's been a little while since we've seen Memphis. It's been about five weeks. Mid January is the last time the Timberwolves faced the Grizzlies. Of course, way back early in the season, the Wolves led uh, the first game against Memphis, going to the fourth quarter by I think it was double digits. Actually, Memphis used a big fourth quarter and beat the Wolves in a game that the Timberwolves really should have won. The next time around, though, the Wolves completely waxed the Grizzlies by forty. Uh, three points, uh, actually, which has to have been the worst loss for the Grizzlies this season. Of course, Memphis, one of the best four or five teams in the entire NBA this year. And then last time around was mid-January. The Wolves uh, led that game by seven at halftime. Memphis had a big third quarter and then uh, held off a Wolves surge kind of mid-late fourth quarter to win that game by eight. Uh, and that was uh, that's a pretty good game to look at. Uh, the Wolves were full strength in that game, essentially. Uh, you know, obviously a couple weeks after the health and safety protocol stuff, Memphis was full strength. Uh, the Timberwolves 
the only real difference in terms of the rotation is Jordan McLaughlin was a DNPCD in that game. Of course, he's now part of the rotation. Uh, but otherwise, the Wolves were full strength. Uh, Carlton Towns had 25 and 9 in that game. DeAndre Russell had 19 points, excuse me, 29 points on 19 shots. Uh, Anthony Edwards led the way in terms of scoring, was a game high 30 points in that game. On 9 of 20 shooting, made five threes and 11 attempts. And Jared Vanderbilt almost had a double-double and eight, had 8 and 13. The Wolves bench did basically nothing. This was your classic big three and nobody else game. The Wolves' big three combined for the majority of their points. Nobody else had more than eight points. And Vando had eight. Nobody else had more than four points for the Wolves. So the Timberwolves' big three scored, uh, what, what is that, 55, uh, scored 84 of their 108 points. Vando had eight. Nobody else had more than four. Patrick Beverly shot just one of nine. The bench combined to score just 13 points. Uh, 13 points for the Timberwolves' bench on, on uh, what what is that? 28 shots or 26 shots. So 13 points on 26 shots for the Timberwolves bench in that game. Um, and, and Memphis completely leaned on. This was, remember, you might remember, this is the weird, uh, the weird John Conchar game off the bench. He hit three threes on seven attempts, had 15 and 17 off the bench for Memphis. Just an insane performance from Conchar. And uh, Jaron Jackson had 20. Uh, Desmond Bain had 21. Um, and John Morant, the Wolves actually defended him fairly well. He had 16 and nine, but he turned it over four times. It took him 16 shots to get to 16 points, missed all seven of his three point attempts. And remember, this is right in that span of games and the Timberwolves were really miserable in the third quarter coming out of halftime. They've really struggled. They've been really kind of since the start of February though, they've, they've stabilized that they've been a lot better coming out of halftime. And, uh, so hopefully that's not as much of an issue, really kind of the key as, as you might expect in playing the Grizzlies is finding a way to, to limit John Morant. Now the Wolves did that last game. They had the seven point halftime lead, but then they let Jerry Jackson and John Conchar go nuts on them in the second half. So I think the approach is, is correct. You bottle up Morant. Uh, the Wolves now are switching a lot more on defense than they were at that time. So we'll see if, if that's effective against Morant. I think it's a little bit dangerous, but uh, if the right personnel is involved in the switch, I think the Timberwolves can get away with that. Uh, Memphis is a team you, you can get away with playing some zone against, uh, but you, you obviously have to be careful. Again, depending on the personnel, Desmond Bain can kill you from deep. Conchar can kill you from deep. Uh, but you can't let John Morant penetrate penetrate and really pick apart your defense as he can. And everybody knows how good he is at the rim, how athletic he is. Um, and, and you don't want D'Angelo Russell on an island against John Morant. You just you just can't have that happen. Um, also, they need to do a good job on the glass against Memphis. Uh, and they've done okay. Again, grand scheme of things, this year the Wolves have played Memphis extremely well. But for a team that's really struggled in terms of defensive rebounding, that can't happen for the Wolves against a team like Memphis. And we talked about this before the last game. But some of the Timberwolves' uh, weaknesses don't line up the best with, with Memphis's strength. Memphis remains the best offensive rebounding team in the entire league. The Wolves are 29th in defensive rebound rate. So Carlton Towns has to come to rebound, but it's not just up to him. Hopefully Jared Vanderbilt, who obviously was really banged up before the All-Star break, Hopefully he got a week and a half of rest, is ready to go. They need him to rebound the ball. They need Jaden McDaniels off the bench to rebound his position well. The Timberwolves, for the most part, have gotten some pretty good rebounding out of the backcourt, out of Patrick Beverly, out of uh, D'Angelo Russell to some extent, Jordan McLaughlin, not quite as much. But if they can get, those guys can rebound their positions adequately. They can get a little bit more from Vanderbilt, from McDaniels, maybe from Nasrid off the bench. They can't let Memphis go nuts on the offensive glass. That's such a big part of what Memphis does. Um, and also, Memphis doesn't turn the ball over very much at all. 
the Timberwolves thrive on turning opponents over. They re- Not only do they thrive on it, they rely on it. Their defensive strategy relies on creating havoc and creating turnovers uh, for opposing offenses. Memphis doesn't turn the ball over very much. They're not a great shooting team, certainly not from deep, but in general, they're not a great shooting team. Uh, they don't shoot that many threes. They don't get to the line all that much. They're bottom 10 in terms of uh, in terms of free throw rate, they're bottom 10 in terms of free throw percentage. They're actually bottom three in terms of free throw percentage. They're bottom 10 in three-point attempts per game, three-point rate, three-point percentage. It's all about getting into the paint, scoring on offensive rebound opportunities, second chance opportunities, and scoring in the paint. Whether that's John Rant, it's Jaron Jackson on the offensive glass. Desmond Bain is really kind of the primary uh, long term, long range threat, as as well as John Conchar, who we already talked about, but nobody else in this team is above average in terms of three point shooting percentage, league wide. Um, so again, the zone could work. You just have to be careful. You have to make sure to rebound in the zone. You have to put a body on somebody. The Timberwolves have not done that very consistently this year, but this is the sort of team that if you can do that, you can beat them. That's probably the recipe to beating this Memphis Grizzlies team, unless they're just completely, you know, they don't play their game. Maybe first game out of the break. Your best chance to beat Memphis is to is to force them to shoot from the outside and then make sure you put a body on someone, grab the defensive board, get out in transition, and score on them um, in, in transition. That's that's your best best chance to beat them. Um, even though they don't shoot the ball great from deep, they do play fast. But still, I think Minnesota can win that sort of a game against Memphis as long as they clear the glass and can limit what John Morant could do against them offensively. Um also, if the Wolves win this game, I don't think it's ever going to come. There's there's really no way the Wolves end up in a tiebreaker with Memphis, but it would be nice to split the season series against the very likely second or third seed in the Western Conference and the Memphis Grizzlies. This is game four in the series for them, um, and uh, and it would be nice to, to be able to split that. Uh, after Memphis, of course, the Wolves are at home again on Friday night. That's the Philadelphia 76ers and uh, really difficult back-to-back We'll see if if James Harden suits up for the Sixers on Friday or not, Uh, but that should be a lot of fun. So after the game Thursday, we'll, of course, do the postgame pod here, as we always do, and we'll take a brief peek ahead at at Wolves-Sixers on Friday night before the weekend off. No game Saturday, no game Sunday. The Wolves take on, uh, uh, or they play again on Monday, I should say. Um, Let me look real quick to see who they play on Monday. But the Wolves have Saturday, Sunday off. Again, uh, the weird back-to-back, two days off, and then another back-to-back. Uh, but Monday, the Timberwolves will take on, that's at Cleveland. So they got these two home games, back-to-back Memphis, Philadelphia, two days off, and then at Cleveland Monday, the old one-game road trip, and then they get another one-game homestand before going back out on the road to face the Thunder next Friday night, uh, Friday night, March 4th. So very weird schedule here out of the break for the Wolves. Uh, but again, we'll have the post-game pod following the game Thursday. We'll preview Friday's Wolves-Sixers game, and then, of course, next week we'll, we'll be back to the regular Monday through Friday schedule. So that's all upcoming here on the show in the next few days. Thanks again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey. Uh, and uh, you can also follow the show on uh, on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. That's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Also, as long as you're making Lockdown Wolves your first listen, don't forget to make your second listen, Lockdown NBA. Lockdown experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.